Hell yeah. Nicola McDougall, you're back on the show. If people who aren't aware of you wanted the Cliffs notes of who you are and what you do before we talk about what's going on in Queensland, could you give us a little mm. bit of a lowdown? Okay, a potted history. Um, I am the chair of the Property Investment Professionals of Australia. I am the co-author of um, The Female Investor, Creating Wealth, Security and Freedom Through Property. I'm also the director of Bricks and Mortar Media, um, formerly the editor of Australian Property Investor Magazine, uh, formerly the executive director of Corporate Affairs at the Real Estate Institute of Queensland, um, and then prior to that, just a, you know, a journo, been a journo for 20-odd years. So um, that's the potted history of, of what I do. I wear many hats um, and juggle a, a, a lot of them, uh, most of the time relatively successfully. If people want to learn more about your book, The Female Investor, I'll put a little link in this like Spotify box or however you listen to your podcast, letting you know about the book as well as a previous interview where you and I did maybe last year sometime, I feel like, right? That's gone quick. I don't know. The book came out on the 1st of April. So we talked. Oh, so it would have been this year. Before okay. that? I don't know, man. Like, wow. Yeah, it was a while. Look, it seems like a long time ago. Um, it was probably, yeah, start of this year or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> the year's gone very quick. It's already like we're yes. already on the back end. It's gone really fast. It's a bit weird. But what we're here to talk about in particular, obviously, with your role in Pippa, what's going on at the moment in Queensland is a bit of an interesting. Uh, conundrum for the for the lot of us could you explain what's going on in Queensland with maybe setting up for people that don't know a lot about it where Queensland sits currently in terms of how easy or hard it is to get a rental and then we'll sort of explain what this land tax looks like being and how that will all look to affect I guess Queensland going forward okay it'll probably be a bit of a monologue here but mm. so I'll I'm um, sorry about that um just to, I guess, just to give some background, obviously, PIPA, um, non-profit industry association representing uh, people involved in property investment advice. So we've been around for about 15 years. I've been on the board for eight um, and was elected as the chair at the start of this year, taking over from my dear friend, Peter Kalisos. Um, and just FYI, everyone on the board is volunteers. So, you know, we are doing this altruistically um, to give back to the industry and to, you know, help protect um, uh, consumers, really. Um, every year, for the last eight years in August, we always conduct an investor sentiment survey. So we've done every year for the last eight years uh, online, um, sent out to investors around the nation. So we did one and every year we asked specific, you know, we asked a bunch of the questions that are the same every year. But we always ask about sentiment as well, about things that are current. Um, uh, for example, you know, the negative gearing debate prior to the 2019 election um, in 2020, which was in the first year of COVID and everyone was seemingly telling us that the property sky was falling. We asked investors where they thought prices would go to and they were overwhelmingly saying they were about to soar and no one believed us at the time. Um, this year, clearly... Um, because, and look, and Pippa has also been warning about um, the potential for uh, critical undersupply of rental properties for five years, Damien. Once the lending restrictions came in from APRA in 2017, which pretty much stopped a huge volume of investors from accessing finance, we started warning, you know, ringing the warning bell back then and saying there's going to be an unintended consequence here mm. about the normal supply of rental properties not being added 
to markets around the nation. So five years ago, we said that, right? Um, then and then since then, clearly we had the you know the negative gearing football between before the 2019 election, start of COVID, where um, you know there was a moment in time where it seemed like um, investors would have to provide free accommodation for their tenants. Um, and you know the, the and seemingly it was you know oh you just need to put your mortgage on hold for a few months or whatever it was. We had eviction eviction moratoriums and things of that nature in 2020. What the survey showed this year, we and look a lot of people have been saying a lot of things about the re supposed reasons for the rental undersupply around the country, not just in Queensland for for the last year or two. You know, smarter brains than me have been trying to work out what the heck is going on. So we actually asked the question, no one, no one, had, you know, I guess no one had the ability to do so, which we have, have because we have this survey every year. So we asked the question of investors this year, of which we got 1,618 respondents. So statistically sound sample. We asked them, you know, have you sold a property in the last year, one or two years, in the last two years, have you sold? Where have you sold? What were the reasons why you sold? We also asked them, what are your selling intentions for the year ahead? And also the reasons why they might be selling in the year ahead. So if we think about the timing of the survey, August this year, the Queensland land tax, while proposed at the end of last year, had, wasn't made law on the quiet, I might add, until the end of June. Um, so was it on the radar? Maybe for you know quite sophisticated investors by August, but probably not hugely. So what we but what the survey showed was that 16.7% of investors nationwide had sold at least one dwelling in the last two years. And we can safely assume that predates any concerns about land tax because land tax only law end of June survey done in August. So it, so it showed that volume of investors already selling at least one property over the last two years. Um, in the survey, we asked where they sold. 45% of those investors had sold at least one property in Queensland in the last two years. Again, before the land tax ridiculousness was even on the radar generally. So we've got, so we did some further analysis and we actually commissioned um, an external independent expert to run some analysis for us on the data, um, which I'm very, you know, proud, proud about. So what that actually means is. 45% of investors sold a property, at least one property in the last two years. Of those investors, the analysis further showed, of those properties that were sold, 65% uh, of them were bought by home buyers. So they weren't bought by other investors. So generally, um, our analysis showed that that meant that the supply of rental properties in Queensland has fallen 30% in the last two years. So that's, you know, what we found, obviously, a, a, you know, a reasonable percentage of investors had sold in New South Wales and Victoria as well. But by far and away, it was in Queensland, um, where, as I say, potentially 162,000 rental dwellings have been stripped from rental supply in the last two years. The number one reason why they sold was taking advantage of the rising market conditions at the time, myself included. I'm a Queensland property investor. I live in Queensland. But most of us, any one of us that had a portfolio in Queensland for several years before the pandemic, prices didn't do very much, rents went backwards. Um, so, you know, bet your bottom dollar. When the prices started rising, a lot of us went, you know what, mm. I, might, uh, I might take this opportunity to jettison some of my um, 
one of my properties or some people sold off sold many mm. and do you think part of uh obviously like you said apra apra had their um their changes to lending requirements in 2017 which affected the new uh supply of people getting in i guess or the new people applying for finance to get rentals do you think that some of these people that have sold in the last few years out of queensland were also feeling like the the power dynamic of how governments how the government expected landlords to act with tenants was changing and that was something they wanted to get away from as well because it feels like in victoria as just speaking for victoria i have a lot more rights as a tenant than i think should be appropriate I'm allowed to do a lot of things to this house that I to this unit that I live in without asking for permission. And if I want a dog, my landlord can't really say no. I don't know. I'm not sure that the power dynamic is equal anymore. It seems like more in the tenant's favor than it is the landlord. And you and you make an interesting point there, Damien, because um, when we asked investors, you know, why they'd sold in the last couple of years, you know, the number one um, reason was positive selling conditions. Number two was to reduce the total borrowings. But the number three reason why they've sold was changing tenancy legislation, making it too costly or hard to manage. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, investors of which I am one, as as we know, um, you know, almost sometimes over recent years, it just all seems a bit too hard. Um, And it feels like we're losing control of our assets. Um, And let's be honest, you know, one of the things that I'm really trying to um, change, I suppose, is the narrative around investors generally. Um, this whole concept of greedy investors, this whole concept of investors who own, you know, uh, dozens of properties, it's just not true. You know, data, ATO data shows, and as you know, this stuff, Damien, you know, 71% of investors own one property, 90% own two. Media stories generally on some in some media outlets that might be a bit left leaning, perhaps um, they're always using an example of someone who owns heaps of properties, and it's just not the reality. And when most of us, and I'm an average investor, like I own, I, well, I did have three investment properties. Now I have two because um, I sold one in Brisbane that I'd owned for 15 years. <clears throat> I owned that property for 15 years. I bought it as a single woman. Look, let's be honest, because Price growth in, 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 in Queensland and Brisbane was benign pretty much for years. Um, I took advantage of the rising property prices. If I extract all of the costs associated with holding that property for 15 years, the rent actually went backwards in the 10 years prior to me selling it. Um, I paid capital gains tax. All of the costs involved, body corporate, council, you know, fees, et cetera. Here in Queensland, we pay, you know, we pay higher council rates as an investor for some reason. Not too sure why. We must have nicer bins, I think. Um, you know, it probably <laughs> was. I'm, yeah, I know. It just doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah. Pay more stamp duty, pay pay more council rates, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think in the 15 years that I own that property, I know actually I was better off to the tune of $5,000 per year for 15 years. And I think I made a comment the other day, realistically, given all the, you know, some of the stresses that are involved with owning residential real estate um, as an investment, I would have better been better off financially driving an Uber in my spare time. Mm. 
So I think in Queensland, there was a, just a huge volume of investors. And look, this is me, right? You know how hard it was for me to actually make peace with the fact to sell one of my properties? Mm. Um, because, you know, I've still got plenty of time left in my career. I've got plenty of time left in the market. I'm a long way off retirement. Um, but I just, I must admit, when COVID first hit and I was sitting there um, with my husband and I, I had a moment, you know, three properties that I owned um, as, an, as a single woman investor, as I actually own those properties outside of my, you know, financial, um, uh, financial situation with my husband. I went, oh, when it all hit and it sounded like we'd have to just all put our mortgages on pause and the tenants could live there rent free. I thought to myself, and a small business owner as well, I thought I'm in serious poo here. Like everything mm. that I worked for all of my career is everything is about to go down the toilet. And so I personally speaking for myself, but if we look at those results, geez, you know, I wouldn't imagine, I, I, I would think that the sentiment, that mindset was similar across all of us. Um, given that it was the first real price growth we'd had for the best part of 10 years in 2021 in Queensland. Mm. And so in, in December of last year, the, the, the treasurer made an announcement, the, the, gov, uh, the treasurer of Queensland, sorry, I've forgotten his name. He has like come out and said, we're going to have this and land tax change. Um, regardless of where I, how I feel about what government's doing and the decisions they're making, I don't always feel like the like just throwing insults at each other doesn't help either. Like there's people in government that call landlords like slum lords. They call them greedy bastards. They call them these things like politicians shouldn't be calling us that or like landlords that who want to invest, but we shouldn't be calling them stuff back either. We're we're adults. We need to get past that shit. Yeah, so this treasurer gets amongst it. He says there's a new tax, land tax they're going to change. And that land tax is planned to come into effect as of June 30, 2023. Would you be able to give us the Cliff's notes of what that tax would involve and what where the sentiment is amongst people maybe who own properties in Queensland, where they think they're going to go from here? <clears throat> Thank you for that. And I think, you know, we, we stay high even if they go low. Um, you know, another horrible um, description the other day that I heard the treasurer call um, investors was interstate land speculators. Um, his narrative at the moment seems to be that investors are stopping people from purchasing uh, interstate investors. I mean, Queensland has always had a high volume of interstate investors. We have got a huge volume of interstate migrants, right? You know, who knows what the volume of those people that have bought are actually shifting up here, you know? Um, but um, they, yeah, their narrative at the moment seems to be that that's that you know by stripping investors out of the market, they'll help first home buyers purchase. Um, when one only needs to look at the lending indicators from um, the ABS last year, which showed the vol, you know, the number of investors active in the market were at record lows last year. Like it hit a, like twenty two point nine percent, which is like so low. It's normally around thirty five. Uh, and we had a record volume of of first-home buyers or home buyers generally last year. So that doesn't pass the sniff test, man. You, you know, it's not that difficult. Look at the federal government's own resources, and you can sh it shows that last year there was record home buying activity and record low investing activity. Mm. So, you know, I'll just park that one there, you know. Um, so the Queensland land tax, obviously some boffin thought about it um, at a time when Queensland property prices were still um, booming. As we all know, all markets, the markets have all changed very, very quickly. 
um, they have decided that um, it's fair and equi uh, equitable to um, tax someone, investors, or if you pass the threshold, a land tax threshold here in Queensland, to tax you, to, to uh, make you pay a land tax based on the totality of the value of your investment holdings around the country. So they think it's okay that you're going to have to pay tax on properties that aren't even in Queensland. And what this means is that um, some investors, whether they're Queensland, but anyone that owns property in Queensland, so you don't have to live in Queensland, um, some, this means that some investors uh, may be paying land tax for the first time. This means that some investors may be actually be paying double tax on the same dwellings. Um, you know, then this terrible um, media interview that the treasurer did a few weeks ago after they did the stakeholder meeting you know, he said the interstate land speculators, he said it only is going to apply to um, uh, investors who've got many properties, uh, three properties, I think he said, so it's not going to affect that many people. Um, and I've got my quote marks there. Um, what is hilarious about that is that on the government's own website, on, this, on the interstate tax, land tax section on the Office of State Revenue. The example they give on their own website, and all those of us in the industry are just flabbergasted that it's still there. The example they give is someone who owns two properties, two investment properties, um, and it's a woman. Um, she owns one in Brisbane, one in Melbourne, the example they use. Uh, and it will mean uh, in that example, their own, the government's own example, uh, her, her land tax will go from um, $1,950 to $8,400, which is, the calculation is about 331% increase. So that's, you know, that's the nuts and bolts of it, I, I, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, you know, they're just sort of flip-flopping around to use a term, an old political term from years ago, but they, they are doing that. And they just, um, I think the narrative at the moment um, is, um, around about closing a loophole of which there is no loophole. Um, you know, investors are kind of presuming that an investor may not have been paying land tax in their own state, all these types of things. Clearly, we've seen the New South Wales Premier come out in the last couple of days and said that, you know, they're not going to be helping to supply any of the information um, to, you know, in any way help or support this ridiculous land tax. Um, and it certainly sounds like the government um, during, look, I don't think they did many, much planning on this, um, thought that investors would self-report their holdings. Um, yeah, so I say good luck with that one. Um, so that's, you know, in a nutshell, what it means, no mm. one's ever done it before because it's completely ridiculous. I still can't, I, I still can't, and I'm not a lawyer, as we know, I still can't get my head around how it can even be legal. Mm. at all and I do believe that there are some um, investigations into that um, so in our survey as I mentioned at the start of the, our chat we asked investors generally nation, nationwide what mm. their intentions were in regards to selling in the next 12 months and of those investors 19% um, said that they were considering selling so if we backtrack to the fact that about nearly 17% around the nation have already sold another 19% are thinking of selling the number one reason why they were thinking of selling was the new Queensland land tax. Number one, with 30, nearly 31% of investors mm. said that that was the reason why they were thinking of selling in the next 12 months. And remembering that 45% um, of investors have already sold in Queensland, 
Um, and it wasn't really, it wasn't because of land tax, but now the number one reason is that. And as you mentioned before, Damien, um, the, the number two reason that they're thinking of selling, changing tenancy legislation, like number three in regards to why they've already sold, the number, the third one, the threat of losing control of their asset because of new or potential government legislation. And number four, the threat of rental freezes being enforced by governments, which obviously have been uh, Greens policies that have been popping up again, um, like mushrooms. So that is the selling uh, sentiment intentions of investors for the next year ahead. Um, unfortunately, we already have record low um, uh, rental, you know, record low supply of rental properties around the country here in Queensland. You know, let's call it the, the worst rental market for a tenant in the nation. Um, one can only presume what the likely what the likelihood is going to happen in the year ahead. We hear from our members, we hear from selling agents um, about you know properties that you probably should have sold to investors or normally they might have investor interest. That is not there in Queensland at the moment. And a huge number of investors saying to property managers, I've heard recently that once the tenants, once the um, tenancy is up, they're selling that property. A bit of a sidetrack, but the people in my age cohort tend to have a bit more of a negative view around landlords. And some of that's influenced for sure by media and what we sort of ingest. But I think some of that is also from our experience. And I've had a great landlord and two terrible landlords. I'm hoping to become an investor myself in the next year or so, which I'll tell you more about off air because it's really cool. But I want to <laughs> be in, I want to get involved in this to invest for you know, the wealth creation side of things. But I am very aware that a lot of people still don't really have good thoughts about landlords because if their experience has only been the shitty ones that still do mm. exist, the the existence of bad ones is a thing, but because it's a small portion, but they just sort of get highlighted. I wondered when in your life did your opinion of landlords shift to being a bit more on the pro end, being a part of PIPA or being sort of more pro landlord as opposed to maybe, I wouldn't say anti-landlord because it's not really pro and con, but like, did your sentiment change over time? No, I mean, I, I, and that's predicated by the fact that my dad um, had a couple of investment properties in, in New Zealand. So I guess I um, was more educated about it from, from, from the very beginning. Do you know what I mean? And, and clearly I've been, a, I didn't buy my first property till I was in my thirties, you know? Um, so I've been a, a tenant a lot. I've been a rent vester. I was a rent vester for a couple of years, you know, including over COVID, um, you know, and I guess equally we could say then that, um, and I would be interested to hear, you know, when you say the bad landlord, what was it that made them bad? But also, I guess, you know, there's two sides to every story. And um, look, it's interesting. I, um, you know, I've been an investor for 15 years now. Have I had any bad tenants? And the answer to that, in my from my point of view, is no. Um, and that is probably because um, I make sure that I've got the very best property managers. Um, you know, I change property managers. Um, and clearly, I'm more educated than most in, the, in these areas. Um, so I make sure that I have... But I'm generally... I, and every landlord, and, and I guess it's all about educating the public, which is, you know, what Pippa is trying to do as well, even educating journalists um, as much as we can, because at the end of the day, it's, you know, it sounds like a bit of a platitude or cliche, but all investors, well, all, you know, the, the investors want 
a tenant or tenants who are going to live in their properties for a long time and treat it like their home. Pay their rent or time, pay their rent on time, look after it, be reasonable, and they will be reasonable in return. And I guess I've always been reasonable um, with my tenants, uh, with their requests. I mean, I had a tenant for nine years uh, in one of my properties. Um, hardly heard a peep out of him, actually. Sometimes we were like, does he even live there? But anyway, um, so I guess it's, a you know, everyone trying to see it from the other side and just being respectful, you know, like just be respectful of, um, you, you can't have one with the, without the other, can you? You know, you, mm. you can't. I mean, you, you can't, you won't have anywhere to live if there's no investors and investors won't be able to have their mortgage help to be repaid if there's no yeah. tenants. So th- th- I think the industry as a whole is becoming much more professional um, we are always spending a lot of time trying to provide information to you know investors and to land and landlords and landladies as they like to say so that everyone can just be you know fair and reasonable with each other um, it's one of those things though I guess that there's always bad guys and girls in every sure. there's bad like there's horrific tenants stories and there's mm. probably horrific landlord stories because For there's sure. unfortunately a percentage of the population who were just no good. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I think so. My my situation might also be because um, I've been very strategic about the properties that I've purchased. Um, you know, they're in locations that perhaps attract a different type of tenant. Uh, but I've always been very reasonable on the other side when the, my property manager, you know, passes on any requests from tenants. I've always been as reasonable as possible. Yeah. And yeah, like when I talk to people my age about it or let them know that I'm trying to get into having an investment property soon, they always have, I can almost by looking at them and maybe where I am in Melbourne, Carlton, cough, cough. um, You can almost expect what they're going to think about landlords. And I try to explain to people like, uh, it's almost like the devil, you know, is better than the devil. You don't in the system we have right now as how the world works unless housing became a nationalized thing that the government took care of, we need landlords and landlords need us. And that's just the way it is. I'm not saying I love it because I don't. Like if if housing wasn't a commodity and we didn't, because like I tell to people, I explain to people with investing, like I'm investing because I don't want to have to worry about money when I retire. And a lot of people who don't invest are going to be poor and not have a lot of cash flow to have a nice lifestyle in retirement. But if tomorrow we were in a world where we didn't have to worry about investing because our money was just enough when we retired and the system didn't change the value of it and all this shit didn't go on, I'd be happy as hell. I'd be very happy. But that's not how it is, unfortunately. So we need landlords everyone's helping each other in this. And it is a bit of a more work together type of thing that we have to figure out. Having less landlords sounds great to a lot of people my age, like, yeah, they're greedy, they're this, they're that, but then your rent's going to go up more than you can maybe afford because there's now less rentals because you've kicked out all the investors. It just seems like the government's making it worse and worse and never taking accountability for whether they've caused any of this for themselves. It's a very odd, odd situation. Market intervention is never good. Mm. You know, the market will will sort itself out, right? It always does. And prices get too high, you know, over history. And I've been doing this stuff for nearly 20 years now, you know, every time there has been market intervention of some kind, 
the shit hits the fan at some point, you know, but it's, yeah. but often it's at a point that being reactive to things um, and creating policies and this and that because of pressure, probably political pressure. Yeah. And then it always, always has unintended consequences, maybe not unintended consequences. They just didn't care, mm. you know, and you would have heard this, you know, there's the story going, it's not a story, it's true. The situation in Ireland at the moment where we've seen, you know, <clears throat> their rental market is appalling. Um, this, the, you know, the data that was coming out a few weeks ago, something like, let's say around about seven, there was only around about 700 properties for rent in the entirety of Ireland, mm. because the government, to get rid this, the government's own words, getting rid of greedy landlords, had put in force a whole bunch of policies which made them either a not get into the market, or, or a lot of them, like what has happened here, have sold on masts after the first year of COVID. So this, they have a critical, critical, critical undersupply of rental properties. Um, you know, it's the great Australian dream to own property, continues to be, continues to be possible for two thirds of our population, right, which is, you know, world leading, let's be honest, yes, prices are high, uh, are higher, things like that. But generally speaking, and you know, home ownership rates are falling somewhat, but compared to many other nations around the world, home ownership is still, the, you know, generally speaking, the number one thing that we all want to achieve. Mm. Um, what's interesting is you know, the trolls, I've been trolled. My dear friend, Antonia Mercarella has been dreadfully trolled, you know, um, you know, for me as well, I'm a volunteer board chair. Um, you know, I've had some horrible things said to me um, over the years, but I just take it on the chin, um, you know, because I, I want to educate, um, you know, property investment professionals. I want to educate the public, I want to educate consumers mm. um, so that they are not going to get stung by spruikers. And that's a conversation for another day. Yeah. But what's, 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 what's interesting, you can't legislate against human nature, right? I have a friend who's from Sweden and she told me many years ago, you know, the system over there is about rent control. It's about rents for life, blah, blah, blah. Well, there's a black market for leases that happens in Sweden because that's human nature, right? People still mm. want to live in the equivalent of Carlton, regardless of the fact that technically you've got a lease for life or la, la, la. I mean, if you've got a lease for life, that means that you're stuck in that place for your whole life technically too. Or you might sell it on the black market to someone and your landlord never knows that you're not actually not living in it, mm. you know? Um, what's always interesting is, you know, the uh, number of people online who are really, 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 you know, hoping for um, prices to bust um, until they buy their own property and then they want them to rise. Um, so it just depends on which side of the fence you're on. And that whole, yeah. I, I agree with you, you know, that whole narrative around landlords and landladies being the bad girls and guys, um, you know, the most hated in a way sometimes I think um, subset of humans in our population. There's two. There's two million of us. Like you know, that means that we have a lot of. We have we have a big voice if we choose to use it. Um, but without them, this is what's happening. Um, and I just really would like some more balance out there so that people understand that 90% of investors, 71% investors own one, 19% own two, so 90% own one or two properties. And the reason why we do that. And put up with you know put up with all of the challenges that generally come with that, is so that in retirement, 
we don't we don't have to rely on the pension actually and we won't even be eligible for the pension so at the end of our working lives after we've paid all of our income taxes plus all the taxes involved with owning real estate as an investment at the end of it we're not getting the pension because we won't be eligible for it so that's good generally it's the social good but seemingly that's a, that's a bad thing and i just i just struggle with that i get so frustrated yeah. sometimes you know but um i feel that you know i just got to keep on fighting the good fight and you know helping to produce um some some you know sound research which can have some uh, create some sensible and balanced conversation and even even i guess having the the thought myself a few months ago someone needs to ask the question to investors like no one had this data so we went well okay well We'll put it in our survey as we'll ask the questions as we do every year, ask specific questions about specific topics that are happening right now to find out what the bloody hell was going on with, on because you know we saw when the census come out, oh, it's the reason that household sizes have gone from 2.6 to 2.5. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's really not, mm. you know, because anecdotally we had heard that investors have been selling. Uh, I didn't, I was surprised, Damien, I was surprised by these results. It, they, they've been selling far more than I thought. And I certainly was surprised about the percentage of investors who are looking to sell in the next 12 months as well, because that's not good for anybody. It's not good no. for the investors, for their long-term wealth creation, or the fact that they don't want to survive, have to merely survive on the pension in retirement. And it's certainly not good for tenants like yourself. We'll leave it there for now, mate. Thank you again for the time, as always. And uh, if people <laughs> want to learn more about Pippa or want to learn about the book that you and Kate auntie kate hill put out uh, earlier this year where can people find that oh of course well pippa is a pipa.asn.au um we have a sister association which is um the property investors council of australia my dear friend ben kingsley is the chair um the female investor obviously is is being sold globally globally you can pick it up in bookstores like dimmicks or booktopia um we have the femaleinvestor.com.au as well which um i actually it's a property news website um, and there's more information about the book. Um, thinking about the book, and I guess in my in my goal of educating people, make sure that wherever you get your property investment information and advice from, make sure that they know what they're talking about. Make sure that they you know have the experience or the qualifications to actually, and this includes books. There's certain books out there written by people with an agenda or who actually are pushing. Uh, maybe shares over books and they're pretending that it's about investing generally or they're pushing a particular thing it's just a marketing tool just be very selective about where you where you get your um uh, uh, property investment information from including from the media thanks again for listening guys i hope you enjoyed the episode our zoom cut off that's why there's no outro like normal so thanks again nicola and see you all next week